Hey, I'm Dr. Kate Wong. And I'm Tierra Mitchell. And, and you are listening to, to the Holistic Hope Podcast. We invite you to join us and our village in conversations rooted in wellness and health so that we may grow a community of generational healing through love. On this episode, episode 22 of the Holistic Hope Podcast, Kate and I talk about ways to help children utilize their natural ability to cope with stress in a healthy environment by adults practicing self-care and stress management so that the children can learn by observing and by being invited to create a practice of their own. Now, I know that sounds like a mouthful, but it's really simple. Kate and I love to observe and talk strategy around wellness. (laughs) I think that's actually like a lot of what our friendship is built on. So in this episode, you get to hear how Kate and I talk about how one can bring balance to their village simply by practicing wellness for themselves and being able to identify what works for them and what doesn't work for them. And I think where we could have taken this just a step further would have been talking about ways to share this knowledge. So listen on to hear how Kate talks about creating balance in the village through chiropractic care. And at the very end of the episode, I will share tips on how you can create conversations to promote healing in your communities. So ask that question one more time. Um, So you're saying how kids can respond to stress in certain ways and a uh, indicator that it's a uh, stress response can be how like a sibling may be exposed to the same environment and not have you were using neck pain as an example um and so i was asking and, and then like it was also an indication that other things may be happening so like stress mixed with maybe having an infection and the fact that there's one sibling who's being clearly impacted by it but another sibling who seems to be thriving and is fine i was asking how much of it is the stress response and how much of it is also their genetic makeup and how they naturally respond to illnesses or viruses. Yeah. So it's kind of like you're asking, is it like, what's really the cause? Like what is the one that kind of breaks the camel's back that actually has that, that kid have these mm-hmm. symptoms, these, these different things that come up. And so um, it's hard to specifically say what is exactly the pinpoint. It's almost like if you're carrying a, a pail of water, right? And then that pail of water you're carrying on your head, but then if you tilt it just a a smidgen to the left, it'll fall depending on how balanced a child is. But if the child is balanced on, like say the balance is immune system, if they're balanced, they know how to, you know, walk in a straight line with that because they practice, they know what's going on. Their body is aware, they're alert. They know, you know, there's something in front of them. There's something that they need to hop over. They can still have the pail, you know, very balanced despite whatever comes their way or their wind, you know, slight wind can, can affect how their balance is. So it depends on almost like if we could think of it a, uh, a battery reserve, almost thinking as if how much of reserve does that person have uniquely themselves because in every individual is so different. How much do they have if something comes, comes their way that can knock them over? So, yeah, did you need to clarify? <laughs> no, no, no. I, it, it makes sense. And I guess how I'm listening to it from is thinking of how Usually our focus is the mom and what's going on with her and why she's reacting to the strategy she can use for her life. And you mentioned earlier, right before we started recording, that um, a lot of the times the moms you work with, they're very busy. 
And so they only get to come in when um, the kid's going through stuff. And I know for me, what it brings up is thinking of how, you know, I chose to be a full-time mom over my career because I didn't want that experience of, if I'm being completely honest, I didn't want the experience of if my children needed me, I had to say, sorry, mommy has to go to work. Like I wanted to avoid that experience as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And, but then listening to you, I do realize that for some women, they love their work to where, you know, it is part of their lifestyle, but I can imagine how seeing their child stressed out can stress them out, especially if they have to be at work and they're away from it. So they don't really know what's going on. So now I'm wondering, like, take that mom, for example, who is in, in a lifestyle where her child stays with her au pair during the day and mom's working. And then she has like this really small window of time to interact with her kid. And then like, I kind of wonder like what her lifestyle was like. Ultimately, my curiosity being when we're children and how you're saying learning to balance so that our immune system stays healthy, what does it look like being taught to the child as mom's going through all of this, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that's that's a hard question because I'm sure a lot of moms always want to be there for their kid, yeah. despite whatever the reason is. And so I'm, I'm usually the person that comes in that helps them out knowing that there's a solution. Mm -hmm. versus them struggling trying to find answers that don't seem to have solutions so that's a really hard question well I guess I'm thinking of it from the standpoint of you know we say the podcast is to create generational healing through love Mm -hmm. so for me I like to see where um I'm going to tell this story I don't know if I've ever told it to you but when I was little my grandpa sat me down and he told me there are three types of people in the world and they're the type of people who a majority of the world's made out of made up of where we make the same mistakes over and over again and we never learn from them and the same mistakes over and over again. And then there's a smaller majority who they can make the same mistake a couple of times, but eventually they learn from it and they adapt. And then there's an even smaller percentage of people who can see someone else make a mistake and decide that's not for me. I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to adapt before I have to have that negative experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was like the point of it being, which person do you choose to be? And so now in my adulthood, when I think of that conversation with him, I also see it as a time where other people can choose to share their lessons and mistakes for those who may be already willing to learn what it is to prevent certain outcomes, um, but not have to wait to see it happen kind of thing, you know, like mm-hmm. not have to happen upon it. So with that thought, I'm curious to know if there have been moms who've realized, you know, I've... I grew up not really knowing how to balance myself so that my immune system can be healthy. And I had X, Y, and Z experience thinking how, you know, a lot of women we've had on the podcast talk about a lot of the stuff that they had to overcome in order to obtain health in their adulthood stemmed from things that happened in their childhood, Mm -hmm. you know, um, beliefs that were established, habits that were developed. And so I'm wondering, seeing it from this, you know, already listening to you say that a child can be impacted by the stress of what mom's going through and not even being able to see mom. And again, I can only imagine as a mom, I'm not really going over well with most moms, you know, like not liking that their child feels stressed out by their absence and having to feel that torn, you know, that um, separation. So with the intention of us each sharing our life lessons in order to help others in the future, what are ways and strategies that have worked to where a mom can have the best of both worlds and have the career life she wants and her child can still have healthy ways of maintaining their, um, their balance. Like, is that a big role you play as the holistic chiropractor who does house calls, you know, like you're there Mm -hmm. as a major support for the child for, so they can live a healthy adulthood. And, you know, I guess that's my 
where I'm approaching this from is how it all helps come full circle with helping one another be better. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, One of the moms mentioned that when she, she grew up in a different country. And so for her mom, she grew up a certain kind of way. So, you know, sometimes when we grow up, you're like, when I grow up, I'm not going to be like you or or I'm not going to do certain things that our parents done. And so a lot of times we kind of go opposite in our childhood. And so when we do that, we, we have a certain frame of mind of how we want to be as a mom, as a, as a parent or certain things like that. Like for myself, I'm not going to, you know, leave my kid uh, alone and have other people teach them certain things. Cause I value the, 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 I value homeschool a lot from looking at all its different moms going through all of this that's been happening right now, that we need kids in the future to know how to think for themselves, to understand that when life kicks a bucket towards you, you know how to hop over that bucket or you know what to do with that bucket. Because then sometimes school, like regular school, public school may not teach you the awareness that there's a bucket in front of you and you need to hop over it. It'll just teach you how to do that as a nine to five job, right? It won't teach you certain things and then they'll have a certain kind of frame, a box, what you can and cannot do. And so I see that my moms are um, raising their kids. Sometimes, you know, the first kid, it kind of swings one way and then realize, you know, this is actually not what I want in this relationship with my kid. And so the second kid or the third kid, they swing, you know, towards the other way and then they go more towards the middle and they realize what has been happening with their own history, their mother, their father, what they've had or didn't have and that they were trying to provide what they didn't have. So they, they, so they're basically trying to almost compensate for what they didn't have for their kid and it kind of backfires the other way <laughs> so that makes sense um and so so because sometimes like you want to spoil your kid because you've never been spoiled you never had you know chocolate for me I didn't, I didn't really much have chocolate or I didn't have much soda I didn't have like you know the junk food stuff that you see all these different tv commercials um have all these kids eating and having a jolly old time like I had none of that like we had food we, like didn't have much of like other like junk food and I always envied it so in a sense, it's like if I would grow up, you know, not knowing why I know now, obviously I'm not going to do that. But if I grew up um, a certain way, I have a kid right now, I'll probably give them all they, what they wanted when I was a kid. But in reality, is that really the best way? Right. But until you realize and aware of what actually makes up life, what actually makes up the foundation of health, the pillars of health, that's where the, the magic kind of comes in. That's why a lot of times, even though I don't like to say it, um, that most moms and parents find me when they're at their, their ends of like finding a solution, they can't find anything else. And then they, they come to me trying to help them do some kind of magic for their kid. Like, even though that sounds amazing when I hear it, but that's not really why I want to hear Cause I feel like the kid's been suffering for so long that they, the parents don't know what to do because they're so close to the problem. Right. Versus kind of stepping back at 30,000 foot view of like, what else is there looking at it, everything. Because when I started practice, I was thinking, okay, just the adjustment, just the adjustment, just the chiropractic. Yes, it's still beneficial, but also looking at, okay, what's going on with the water? What's going on with, you know, the stress of, you know, the mom, the, the dad, work, and all the different things. Or what's going on with, um, you know, did, uh, did they fall a lot when they're a kid? Did they not crawl? Did they skip crawling? Um, you know, was that supposedly considered normal? All these different things plays a part of how they develop. And sometimes it may be cute. It may be, you know, you're thinking, oh, my kid's like leveling up like faster than all the other kids. But in reality, certain things need to happen. Certain things um, need to be done in order for the brain to balance itself out because it, it sways one way or the other way when they, when they grow. So in, in the sense of uh, generation healing, it's being what I found really, really, really almost like almost breathtaking and um, in awe is when the parents realize that 
what their past has shaped them to become and then being proud of that despite it was a heartache. And then knowing that this, like right now, like literally now is a time to start to change that. Knowing that things can always change. Solutions are always there. It's just the act of consistency and doing it and never stop searching for the answers and solutions that you, you want to find. Mm-hmm. Despite what anyone says. Because mom had an intuition. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I feel like moms had that intuition to where, you know, there's something um, not quite right, something that more. And so that's why I encourage a lot of moms to ask me questions. I love it. I usually get the moms that ask a lot of questions because I, sometimes I forget certain things. I mean, I'm not perfect. <laughs> sometimes I focus on one thing because I, I, I find that um, valuable for that child, but sometimes I forget to say certain things unless it comes up, unless a, like, a question um, is asked of me, then I can, you know, let you know why I'm doing this, all these different things. And so you know, we all get busy in our own lives. So if you have a question, whether it's about the health, whether it's about the stress around the family, you know, what's in your water, what's in your food, what's best to do this and this and that, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I can definitely find people to get those answers as well, or books that have those answers or other practitioners, right? Because that's why we, the, the importance of what our podcast is, is the village of it all. Because not one mom does right. it right one way, not one dad does it right the other way. It's, it's the combination of what best fits your life and that at that season of life to actually help you grow when you're ready <laughs> to grow. Cause sometimes it's, you know, not everyone's ready for to just to focus on one thing to make sure that is good and then move on to the next. So if I, if I could put an example is an example, um, there's something called the primitive reflex when a, when a baby's born. So um, what that in, in a simple term is a simplest term is basically the baby comes out in the world all, you know, they're, they're not able to help themselves. They're not able to do much for themselves. Therefore, they have a protective mechanism. And so one of those things is when they come out of the, the, the birth canal, it's almost like a, um, a ejection kind of reflex saying it's almost like a, a natural adjustment for like, okay, life has started, you know, when they come out. And so that's why it's so important for the baby to go through the birth canal because for their, their cranium, for their skulls to kind of let the body know, okay, it's happening. It's coming. It's squeezing, it's contracting. And the body, you know, okay, get ready, get the blood pumping, get the oxygen going throughout the whole body because it's about to come, you're about to go out of the, into this uh, new world, out from the womb without anything else but yourself and whoever's going to take care of you. So once the baby comes out, it's almost like, I don't know if you ever felt it or maybe you've heard um, other moms felt it as well. You almost feel like a kind of, <laughs> when they come out, it's like kind of letting the baby know, okay, this is, this is the start of life. Now that things get going. So when that happens, it's kind of letting the other parts of the body know, okay, Either you need to protect yourself or you need to get someone to protect you, right? Survival mode. And so a lot of times a lot of babies get stressed because it's a new environment, right? And so there's certain things when you, um, almost if you're holding a baby and you drop the baby on the newborn, like just like maybe like two inches, like a dropping effect, they almost do like a like a grabbing kind of like startling kind of uh, arms out, uh, legs out. So almost like someone catch me, someone like get me. So it's a protective mechanism for that. So what's really miraculous is when we get stressed, when kids get stressed when things are coming your way, like the whole, you know, um, thing that started in March, when things come your way, those primitive reflexes, there's a, quite a few of them can actually. So the goal is the, the goal is it actually goes away by the time you're like two, two years old, because mm-hmm. your body can, you're able to like do things on your own when you're about two, two, three ish. Um, the thing is it goes away. What happens is when you get stressed, it activates some of them again. 
saying, I need to protect myself. I need to, you know, do certain things. So that's why there's certain twitching that happens. That's why I test certain things on the baby, on the child that can, can be coming back as a positive that's it's there because some type of stressor, something almost came so unexpectedly to the child that they don't know what else to do, but to protect themselves. And when they can't protect themselves, they can adapt to that thing coming their way. Their body does it automatically. So that primitive reflex, that reflex comes back and says, let's protect ourselves again because it's unsafe. And so that's why I find it so miraculous that the, even though you're, even though the baby, the, the child may not know what to do, your body literally is trying to protect itself. Hmm. <laughs> We're in science. And so, <laughs> and so I guess, I guess, have we talked about this before? How, um, I'm wondering if when you align people, if somehow that helps to ease the stress, because listening from you talk, I can imagine that when we grow up, our bodies still want to protect us. We just now have different mechanisms for the protection because we're not helpless newborns anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thinking of how you said some children may struggle from turning those mechanisms off so that things like twitching will happen. And so then it makes me think of like adults and even myself where like, I know when I stress out something silly I do is I bite my nails, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a real big indicator for me if I'm biting my nails to be like, whoa, Tira, let's like do some stress evaluation and see where you're at with things. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm wondering if when you align people, does it give them an opportunity to feel what it's like to not be in that state of stress? Yeah, it does. So if you can imagine, our body doesn't want to be stressed out all the time. And so mm-hmm. when we're stressed, we're almost a completely different person, Right. When we're relaxed and you ask, you know, do you want a cup of coffee? You're like, sure, I would love one, right? But you're stressed and someone like asks you to do something, you're like, you're almost like biting there, biting them, like go away or snapping at them going away, right? It literally changes. Like your you're brain. so bothered by them asking you for a cup of coffee. <laughs> if you exactly. want a cup of coffee. Yeah, because it, it literally changes your brain. Like the chemicals in your brain are, are so different to when you're relaxed. And so what I do, I check to see what's going on specifically with their spine to what's affecting the, their capability, inability. To relax. So what happens is when we're stressed, we, we kind of kind of go into that, you know, we kind of crouch down or we um, kind of get small in almost a C position. Because we, we sometimes like, you know, when people get stressed out, they kind of cry in bed, cry in bed and kind of just kind of huddle in their little ball because that makes them feel better. So imagine when you're a baby, you're literally, your spine's not developed yet. doesn't have all those different curves. That C position is actually a very protective mechanism saying, okay, I, I need to protect myself. And so when, when that's happening, certain chemicals are happening in your body, it's changing certain things. So what I do when I adjust them, I let the body know it doesn't need to be aware of this, some sort of danger happening in their body, that it's okay to let go of this tension wherever it is. Because sometimes even though, you know, say you hit your, um, you stubbed your toe, your body's like, oh shoot, danger. <laughs> I need to protect whatever it is that happened. So it kind of like kind of crouches down and gets small and you're crying, whatever it is. So it's almost as if I'm helping them sync up to their body, letting them know it's okay. Let's break up this stressful pattern and just relax and adapt to whatever can go. Because the thing is when you're relaxed, you're able to do more things, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're not relaxed, you can barely do one thing. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so important to make sure that the body knows it's not in a survival danger mode. And that's why it takes not only just one adjustment, it takes a couple, at least I work with people. Um, so truthfully, I would rather, I tend to work with people almost like a lifetime. <laughs> if that makes sense because people get stressed all the time. But if I can work with them less, that would even, that would be awesome because I know that their body knows how to handle whatever comes their way. Yeah, exactly. That I can, I can see them less because their bodies can handle it. So their battery level, their reserve can actually 
not feel like they're fatigued trying to deal with everything that comes their way. So this is, my mind is something just clicked because <laughs> so first, let's back up. When you first started talking about what it was like aligning and what it's the signals it sends. And I guess I want to know, because I'm really curious to understand, that's my favorite part of the podcast, to understand different triggers, different identifiers, different modalities in which stress could be understood and then also handled in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. We're told all the time, stress is a silent killer. And I think the more and more we dive into topics on the podcast, I can start to develop a lot of compassion and forgiveness around things, especially if we want to talk about generational healing, around things that I experienced growing up from people. Because like how you said, when you're stressed out and someone asks you for, if you would like a cup of coffee, like they're asking to do something for you. And in that moment, you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe you just asked me anything right now. Mm -hmm. And I can recognize that feeling. And in being able to recognize that feeling, I can recognize times where I may have felt attacked in my youth, but understanding what the person was going through, it's like, hmm, that's why they responded that way. Mm-hmm. And so what I could see when you were talking was like, you know, you talked about the C position of a fetus. And I know when newborns come in um, for their shoots, photographers who do the very posed newborn shots, we like to ask that they come in in this really short window, like five to seven days old, because mm-hmm. they still have that reflex to naturally fold into themselves. And they, they're still convinced they're in the womb. Like they're still figuring out they're not in the womb kind of thing. And there are certain characteristics that come with that. Like they trust that they're going to be fed. Hunger isn't really something that they're screaming their heads off about yet. Like they may fuss about it, but it's kind of like they still have that trusting of the biblical cord keeps me fed kind of thing. So there's all these little indicators that mm-hmm. keep them or all these little things that just keep them so calm in that position. And I then thought about photographing women as adults and how they can often come in and they're in that curled state and, you know, like where they're hunching over when I'm taking photos of them and their confidence is really low and they're real quiet and, you kind of got to course them into, you know, sit up straight. And like, you know, I'm telling them, doesn't it feel good to sit up straight and stuff like that? And not even understanding how alignment is working with that, like their spine alignment. Mm -hmm. But then there are also the people who can overextend. And in overextending, Mm -hmm. they're now presented with like a different set of problems than when we first started the shoot. And again, Mm -hmm. it's that balance. Yeah, exactly. And so from you in the work you do and then all the people amazing people we've had on the podcast and probably all the other people you've met in what the last year since we've been doing the podcast have you been able to see any patterns of ways you've seen women like take different combinations of modalities and how even if they stopped coming to you for chiropractic services or they combined your chiropractic services with another modality were you able to see any other significant shifts Mm -hmm. so because obviously chiropractic is one of the modalities as well even though I I I know it helps a lot and I know I can't, it can't be, no, I can't be everything for everyone. I, I get that. The thing is when they notice and are aware, especially the moms are aware that their stress comes from something from their thoughts and they're aware what those thoughts are doing to them. And they find, cause I mean, not everyone, you know, vibes with Reiki, not everyone vibes with, you know, certain things that come up in regards to like therapy or, you know, um, whatever it is, right? Whatever therapy you want to call it, or or massage. I I don't like massage. You know, that's not the thing that helps me relax. But there's certain things that does help them relax. And once they find that, I feel like that's the magic to it. Because getting it's not only about getting the root to the cause. 
of the issue is knowing what those things are making you think on an everyday basis, because that's the real trigger to what consistently makes it stressful chronically for people. Because our thoughts are our, our world. Whatever the thought is that we deem as good or we deem as bad, it triggers a chemical response in your body. And so that chemical response can, you know, say if you're happy, you're, you're erect and up. But then if it's too erect and up, how like some babies, when they keep arching their back a lot, or they keep on kind of moving a lot, that means something in their body needs to either move, they need to get out of this like, you know, tension, or they are um, in a certain response to where um, their the chemical response is not enough for certain things to happen, then uh, it creates a different feeling for them and different thoughts. And so when they understand what those thoughts are and knowing that it it's a thought, let's be aware of it, let's move on from it, let's see how we can grow from it, that's the real the real answer. That's the real solution, I feel like, in regards to stress. Because a lot of times people aren't aware of what's going on. They're not aware that the thought of, um, you know, because sometimes we have all our internal thoughts in our head that we talk to ourselves. Because sometimes mm-hmm. it's not quiet in our head. We think it's quiet outside, right? But in our heads, we're thinking, oh, shoot, like look in the mirror. Oh, this part of my body is not, you know, small enough. Or this part is not big enough. Or this part's always, you know, um, not tighter or whatever enough. It, or all these different things that go in our head. I was like, oh, I got to do this. I didn't do that. Oh, why didn't I do this? And oh, man, like you, all these judgment in our heads that consistently keeps that stress going. And so, that's why finding the solution that fits well with you, whatever the solution is, is kind of the magic behind it. The secret magic that I, I haven't told anyone actually. <laughs> so since you're asking, <laughs> that's what I see. Because when they have a combination of understanding, like, like kids, right, right? Kids don't understand why their neck hurts. So then when they can't tell you, they cry. They complain. They kind of hold you tightly. You're like, I just don't feel well. Because they don't mm. verbally know what's going on at all. They just, don't, they just know they don't feel good to what they can play and do certain things. So same thing for an adult. When you consistently have this chronic discomfort, whether it's mentally, whether it's physically, whether it's chemically going on with your gut, whatever it is, it doesn't make you feel good. And so when you understand what's causing that issue and what's consistently causing that issue and knowing and being aware, you know, maybe this this phase of life when I was in my 20s, I was fine. But now when I'm in my 30s, 40s, it's, it's something different and knowing what that something different is and how to change that and being adaptable is, is really the magic. I could totally see that. And I guess that's where um, my question's coming from, you know, um, because so I guess how I can imagine getting aligned and how you talked about it, how you talk about it in other conversations we've had in the past, I can see it as being an opportunity to, like I said earlier, feel that, oh, this is what it feels like from my body not to be in like stress overdrive right now. And then with that feeling, you know, it kind of gives you the because of manifestation, you talk about having to align to the feeling of something. And um, it's easier to align to a feeling of something if you've already experienced before, because now you can like replay it, you can recreate it. And so imagine that after you've gotten aligned and you can feel what it feels like not to be overstressed, then ideas, inspirations of, hmm, maybe it would be good to go to yoga this week. I haven't gone in a while. And, you know, so that's what made me think of it. But totally, I hear what you're saying where it has to work for you. And for what your needs are. Mm-hmm. Just to add to that, when you're saying, oh, like I, I might want to go yoga this week because, you know, it made me feel good when I go to yoga. When you're stressed, you don't think about those things, right? Or you just don't smile more, right? Or you just don't smile because you just don't feel happy. You don't feel like it's like 
jolly at all. So you just keep on this, this face, you know, whatever face that people say with an acronym. Um, um, so when you don't, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't want to say all that, but anyways, um, so you, but when you're relaxed and you have less anxiety, you're able to digest, you're able to not feel like extremely cold, or extremely hot, you smile more, that energy that that person has is almost like a ripple effect, not only for the, the ones that are right around you, your kids, but literally for whoever comes into your energy. That's, that's the thing that lights me up, knowing that that one person can change so much from not only themselves, but anyone that they touch, anyone that they come to across. Because when a kid is happy, you can tell the kid's happy because they ask you questions, they're curious, they want to do this, they want to do that. And it, it almost is like an energy that just like cascades everywhere. But when a kid is not happy, that energy also spreads a different way as well. I was going to say, oh, so you're helping keep moms happy by keeping their kids happy. Because I can totally relate to that as a mom in the sense of when my kid is grumpy, I'm like, okay, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Let's just take a little breath because it's stressful. But when my kid is happy, and I was just thinking the other day, one of the best things I really love about staying home with my kids is how many freaking times I hear in a day, mommy, you're the best mom ever. And I love you. Oh. Like, and it's just like that effect right there where you're just like, oh, I know I am not, an ama- you know, I know I'm not a perfect mom, but you think I'm the best mom ever. That is awesome. You know, and, but you don't get that when your kid's grumpy. I mean, like even when your kid's grumpy and you hold them and you're trying to comfort them, they're like, I love you, but you don't get that you're the best mom ever kind of thing because they're not in the you're the best mom ever mood. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. And I like how literal it is to the generational healing thing. Um, I think you've heard me talk about this TV show before, but I really like it. It's called Kipo. And I just think it's a beautiful oh, yeah. metaphor and personification for the world we're in today and how love, kindness, and compassion can really move mountains. But that's definitely another conversation for another day. Back to the point, there's a scene in Kipo where they're trying to understand how to make a group of people who are hellbent on killing, on genocide, pretty much. They're ready Mm -hmm. to destroy um, the mutes. And the mutes are animals who have mutated and they can now talk and they have personalities. And, you know, they're more than just animals. And there's a group of people who want to kill them because they want them to go back to being just dumb animals. That's how they pretty much put it. They just want them to be like dumb, simple animals. And so Kipo is on a mission to stop that. And she's trying so hard to get the adults to play together, play nicely together. Let's work together so we can defeat this, these evil humans, right? They're not listening because they have so much hate and fear in their hearts from what they experienced in their life and stuff. So they're not at a place where they can let it go. So later that night, they see the kids playing and the kids are able to let go of their hate and fear for one another because the mutes, like the wolves stuck with the wolves, the frogs stuck with the frogs and stuff like that. But the kids are the frogs, the wolves, all the snakes, they're all playing together and they represent this generation of um, loving one another and working together. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing even in that moment how it had to start with the kids because as adults, we have a lot of work to do on ourselves if we want to get to this you know, pristine image of humanity kind of thing, because there's been so much that's happened, you know? That shaped us to be in a certain way already. Yeah, and we have to be able to give ourselves grace and being able to heal and taking the time to heal from whatever that may be. If it be worries of the world, if it be things as simple as your family, your job, your health, you have a whole lot more experiences that you're going to have to work through and heal yourself from than a child who is still pretty new to this world and still gets to have the perspective that, the world love and supports me but you have to first we have to nurture that in our children 
you know, and show them the world loves and supports you. And no matter what you go through, let let life throw that bucket at you and let's have fun jumping over it together, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so like, I think that's so beautiful about it. And that concludes this week's episode. As always, Kate and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And as promised, I do want to touch base on ways you can encourage healing in your community through sharing your experience and making opportunity for others to share their experiences. So one way I've seen that works really well for this is actually hosting wellness circles and gatherings. Even amidst COVID, it became really popular for people to hop on Zoom calls and I'm in a very spiritual community, so I apologize if some stuff always seems woo-woo, but something I noticed and I really appreciated were groups holding what they would call like full moon circles because some people like using the moon as a calendar for when to release things and when to reflect on things because the phases of the moon have symbolic meaning behind when to release and reflect and manifest and grow, you know, become full of your energy type of thing. And even though I had never participated in a full moon ritual, it was amazing to see how many women did get together. And even though they may not have had a full moon ritual expectation, they were there for the community of it. They were there to be with other people who wanted to set time aside to de-stress, to ground themselves, to show gratitude for what they have, to support one another. So I'm using the full moon rituals as as an example, but I don't want you to feel like it has to be a spiritual thing. It can be something like having a group of friends who you guys go on hikes once a week or you check in to see did you do your hike this week where did you hike to what was it like um just a community a group of friends that you can go to to participate together the next tip i have is being vulnerable with others now i know being vulnerable is like ah, how is that promoting wellness hear me out for just a second so When you're vulnerable and you're wise in your vulnerability, meaning you're not sharing from a place of hurt, you're sharing from a place of growth, you give someone else permission to explore the possibilities because now you get to stand in place as an example for, yeah, I went through this really trying time and it was very challenging for me and these were the tools and resources I tried these worked for me and I feel they worked for me because of XYZ. These didn't work for me, but I do want to mention them to you because they may be beneficial to you. And you're holding space for a person to also now be vulnerable back. And now they get to really say, well, this is what I'm struggling with. And it does sound like you had experience through this. Is there anything else you would like to share with me? And now you've just created a really safe and sacred space for dialogue that could boost that person's healing phenomenally. So whenever you're sharing and you're vulnerable in your sharing, as long as you're remembering to share with the intention to encourage healing, you can't lose. And 
now you've helped someone else and now you get to feel good about how your experience is helping others and now that experience doesn't seem so crappy anymore because now this really beautiful thing is coming from it. And then my last tip is to listen twice as much as you talk. This is coming from a deep place of experience <laughs> because I love to talk. And it wasn't until I learned to listen more that I found I really started to get through in helping people. And I even found that my relationships weren't so hard to navigate when there were disagreements or misunderstandings because when I listen more, sometimes people just need the opportunity to get things off their chest and they just need to feel heard. And why I like to say listen twice as much as you talk because then now that you've listened and you've heard that they are okay, there are just these, these few things that they're saying I, I need a little bit of validation on and you're able to give them that validation that can be such a profound moment for that person's healing because now they've gotten to have the experience of being validated in their feelings and then someone not wanting anything in return from that. And what I mean by that is sometimes, you know, we'll vent to our friends or we'll go to a therapist, you know, to, to talk about things, but we feel like they're only listening out of obligation. You know, or they're going to turn around if it's our friends, they're going to turn around and they're going to have something they want to talk about too. Or if it's the therapist, you have to pay them. But in, in this specific scenario, there's no obligation coming from you. So that person gets to feel as if they are being cared for. And then once they get that feeling, that validation, more than likely they're gonna turn around and give it to someone else, which then creates a ripple effect. Well friends, that's all we have for this week's episode of the Holistic Hope Podcast. We hope that you were able to take away at least a little something about how you caring for yourself promotes healing to those around you. And as always, we would love to hear from you. So please check the show notes to see where you can connect with Kate, myself, and the rest of the holistic cast and how we can continue conversations of creating generational healing through love online. Until next week, stay well, friends.